Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, Christ Uncensored. Once again, it is Sunday. I'm so excited to be here and more excited that I'm not here alone. I'm here with my virtual Kuhau friends and family. We love you on behalf of Lisa and I. We miss you guys and we can't wait for the day that we can reconvene once again and gather together. But we are still living in a time where, I'm gonna be honest, it's the easiest time to invite somebody to church. All you have to do is share this video, share this link, Tell them, come with me to church. They're going to say, pick me up. I say, sure. Here's the link. All right. That's all you have to do. And I want to encourage you to be an active participator. Join in in the conversation that is happening in the chat, happening in in the comment section. Um, Even as you view it on your screen, you can be on your phone. You can also participate by taking notes. I say that you retain a lot more of what you hear when you start taking notes. So I want to dive into today's message, and uh, the title to today's message is simply part two of Intruder Alert, and our our passage of scripture is really found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, and it says, Dear brothers, you are only visitors here, since your real home is in heaven. I beg you to keep away from the evil pleasures and desires. And if you want to know what that is, is essentially the evil things that you want to do in in this world. It's it's the things that rise up from your corrupt nature. And they're not they're not for you. These things that these desires and and what we defined it as it's a system of emotion or a system of feelings that they rise up from your corrupt nature. Here's what uh, Peter says. He says, they ain't for you. They're not for you. Why? Because though they come from the inside of you, they fight against your very soul. They fight against your very soul. And last week, we began to speak about the intruders to our soul. And we would never allow an intruder to come and invade our home, invade our space in our physical location, in our physical house, right? You wake up one day, you see an intruder, you would never allow him to be there. You would do everything possible to remove him from there. But when it comes to our soul, many times we allow these intruders to penetrate our soul, penetrate our heart, penetrate our decisions, our mind, our will, our emotions. We allow them to live there. And so instead of removing them, we make room for them. We decided last week that we were no longer going to make room for them. We were going to rid ourselves from them. And that's why I love Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And I want you to look that up in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Look what it says. Guard your heart. Yeah, guard it. Guard your heart. Why? It says, guard your heart above all else. For it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, above above everything. I need you to guard your heart. Why? Because from it determines the course of your life. And hear me, many times we've used this passage of scripture to cut people off because people have hurt us. People have betrayed us. People have taken advantage of us. People have abused us. 
And so we say we're going to guard our heart from people. But did you know that this verse never speaks about people? When the Bible says to guard your heart, it's talking about the inner desires or the inner behaviors or the inner wants that you have in your heart, the emotional system that you have in your heart. In other words, when it says guard your heart, what it's saying is you don't need to guard your heart from people. You need to guard your heart on how you respond to people. So when anger comes knocking on your door, comes trying to invade your space, you guard your heart. When, when unforgiveness tries to invade your space, you guard your heart above all things. And, and many times we're guarding so many different things. We guard everything else. We guard, we, we guard our empire. We guard our family. But it says that above all things, you need to guard your heart from resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, arrogance. You need to guard your heart from those things because from your heart is where you determine the course of your life. And so last week we spoke about two intruders. We spoke about anger and we spoke about offense. We spoke about anger and we spoke about offense. And what we said is that we had one message, one message, and and honestly, as I was preparing this message, um, I was I was planning on preaching it in one day, but it was is way too long. And so what we said is that we're going to break down this one message in three weeks. And so I want to encourage you to go to our podcast or you can go to our YouTube page. And I want you to listen to last week's message. If you missed it, we spoke about anger and we spoke about offense. And we said what we're going to do with anger. Well, we're going to choose to keep our peace instead of losing our temper. We're going to keep our peace instead of losing our temper. What we're going to do with offense, we're going to release forgiveness instead of holding on to grudges. We're going to release forgiveness instead of holding on to grudges. Today, we're going to tackle intruder number three. And you might be surprised who made the list. You might be like, does that even need to be in this list, this intruder? I mean, is that really an intruder? You'll be surprised how much this intruder has robbed people from enjoying the blessings of God in their life. And intruder number three is, before we pray, is comparison. Is comparison. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these moments that we have together. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may speak to us, Lord Jesus. We know, oh God, that you love us. And you love us so much as we are, but you also love us to ensure that we don't stay as we are. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. So your love meets us where we are, but it brings us out of where we are and introduces us to who we were destined to be in the first place. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. So I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm going to be honest with us today, and I, I've dealt for years with comparison. Like, I've, I've been married now for nine years, and, and Lisa knows, if, there is, if, if, if there's anything that Lisa knows about me is that I, I compare. I've used it years for, as a measuring barometer, I've used it to measure myself oftentimes, I've, I've used comparison, but so many times it's, it's either led me to arrogance where I've, I've thought better of myself than I should, and, or it's led me to discontent me. It's led me to, to feel less than, or, or it's left me in a place of envy. And, and, 
We, we could see this in my marriage. I mean, Lisa and I go, we go to a restaurant and we order some food. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but is it just me? Then when I go eat at a restaurant and I'm with my significant other, her plate comes out, my plate comes out and hers always looks better. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm looking, and the way she eats it too, she's mm, oh my, oh my God, oh my God, this is so good. And I'm looking at her plate and, and it's glistening and it's looking all good and it's oh, it never fails. Her plate looks better than mine. And I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. I don't know what it is. My plate looks fine, but whatever reason, her plate always looks, I compare. I compare. I mean, I've done this even in, in, our, in our looks, not just in our food, but in our looks. I mean, I, when we, a couple of years together, I was like, baby, you gorgeous. You, man, you so fine. Woo! Did it hurt when you fell down from heaven? Because you were an angel or something like that. Something like that, right? I don't, I don't know. Um, but baby, you beautiful. You're gorgeous. And then I was like, could I ask you a question though? Am I as good looking of a dude as you are a woman? I was like, am I, do we match? Am I as good looking? In other words, am I, I'm asking, am I as good looking as you are? And of course, my, my baby knows my love language. She's like, baby, baby, no, of course not. She's like, when we walk around, people are probably wondering, how did I end up with such a catch like you? And I'm like, you lie. You sleep on a bed of lies. Because when you take a selfie, Lisa, I mean, the girls come out, all the girls come out. Oh my God, you so beautiful. You take a selfie. Look at Lisa's selfies. Oh my God, you gorgeous. Oh, you gorgeous from day one. Oh, gorgeous as always. Gorgeous, beautiful, hashtag goals. I post a selfie. The boys ain't coming out. Ain't nobody on some pastor, oh, you handsome, you good looking. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody doing that. Ain't nobody pastor, has that gold. Nobody. She, nothing. You know who comes out? The crickets. That's what happens when I take a selfie. And so I compare. And I know it's, it's, it's a little humorous in sharing this story, but if we were being honest today, there's something about comparison. There's something about comparison, this intruder, this foul spirit of comparison that will suffocate the joy out of our life. There's something about comparison that if we allow this spirit to just take root in our space and intrude and invade our lives, let me tell you something. It's like taking the express train to dissatisfaction. When you allow this intruder, intruder number three, comparison, when we allow it to penetrate our lives and take root, listen, we will live miserable lives step by step. And I think that never before has our world lived in a state of perpetual, constant comparison. I mean, never before has our world struggled with this intruder called comparison. Never before has our church has the body of Christ struggled with this intruder called comparison because never before have people had so much yet still want more. Never before have people wanted so, had so much yet, yet they're still dissatisfied. Never before in our history has have people owned so much yet still be dissatisfied with the things that they own. 
Because let's face it, the only thing you need to do to compare is what? Take out your cell phone. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is grab your cell phone. Like, have you ever been okay until you grabbed your cell phone? Like, have you ever been good? You felt good about yourself. Woo! I just ran a mile. And then you grabbed your phone and you saw someone else run eight. Woo! You don't feel so good about yourself anymore. Like, is that, has that ever happened to you where you have felt great, but now you compare and you don't feel as great as you, you did? We're living in a time where social media has created this comparison trigger. And it's like you're 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 eating, you're having your best life, you're you're eating, you're eating from Wendy's. And all you wanted that day was some Wendy's. That day you just wanted some Wendy's, so you went yourself to some Wendy's and they were sweet and polite and kind and they gave you your meal and you opened up your meal and it was like opening opening up a flower. It just looked so amazing and you started eating your french fries and you were like, hold on, I gotta pause right now because the sauce sauce looks amazing. I'm gonna take a picture and as you took a picture, you wanna post it on Instagram and then you scrolled but then you saw your girlfriend you know what I'm saying? You saw your girlfriend. And what she, oh, she was in Atlantic City at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, your Wendy's is not as good and it don't even taste good anymore. And you're looking at homegirl, she's like, oh my God, I'm at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. This is amazing. I love it here. The food just melts in your mouth. Hashtag favor ain't fair. Hashtag God, lo- God, God, God loves me too. Hashtag God loves me. Hashtag living my best life. And you're like, now you're, now you're just comparing everything. You're looking at her relationship. She's with her boo. And you're like, look at the way her boo makes her smile. My, my boo don't make me smile like that. My, my, my boo don't make me smile like that. I have to fight him. Like, he don't, I have to fight him just to take me to Wendy's. Like, I don't get it. What's going on? Like, my boo don't make me, and then you, like, oh, because I follow him on Instagram too, and, and I see he's a great provider. And then now I'm comparing my house to them, and I'm comparing my marriage, and I'm comparing my relationship, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just looking at it. I'm, he still got me in this apartment. Look at their house. And he still got me in this apartment. I can't believe my life right now. How, how, I'm so miserable. But you were happy just a few minutes ago. You were just happy with the apartment that you had. You were happy that the bills were getting paid. You were happy with the, with the treatment that you were getting from your, sp- your spouse until you compared. And you're comparing yourself to someone else. But that woman that is at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant took a picture of her meal that day and when she went to go post it as she was in Atlantic City living her best life she saw her girlfriend or 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 her friend and they were in Hawaii and so now the person that you're comparing comparing yourself to that you're feeling miserable is comparing themselves their Atlantic City stay to someone that's in Hawaii on a cruise oh my god they are on a cruise they are in Hawaii and I'm over here in Atlantic City. And I'm over here, you, they're over here on a vacation. You're over here taking me to a theme park. <laughs> comparison, comparison. There's so many of the different comparisons. You compare your financial state, state which will tell you, look at what they have. They have more. You compare your relationship, which will tell you, look at their spouse. They make them happier. 
You compare your circumstances. Oh, they are living a better life. And listen to me, the more we compare, the less satisfied we will live. The more we compare, the less fulfilled we will be. And the more we compare, the less happiness we will experience. Here's why, because the root of comparison is found in a lack of contentment. See, this intruder will try to get you to believe that you need more, that you don't have enough, that you don't have what it takes. It'll have you believe that, oh, look at them. Look at what they have. If I had what they have, then I would have had this. If I had what they have, then I would be here. If I had what they have, then I would have accomplished this. I would have accomplished that. If I only had what they have, and listen to me, when you allow the intruder of comparison to take root in your heart and you make space for this intruder of comparison, here's what happens. You begin living a life that ultimately tells God, I am not happy with what you've given me. I am not happy with the blessings that I have. And write this down. When you allow comparison into your life, comparison will have you ignore God's blessings in your life and resent God's blessings in the life of others. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. When, when comparison will have you, will be telling you a lie, will have you believing the lie. It'll make you ignore God's blessings in your life and start resenting the blessings in the life of others. There's a scripture that we all quote and many of us state over and over. And it's this scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that an amazing scripture? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I love that scripture. I mean, I think if there's one of the most, if there's a scripture that just, just energizes you is Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But did you know that that scripture is steeped into, it is drenched, it is filled, it is completely submerged in the context of contentment. I, I want to read it to you. It says, Verse 12, we'll begin from verse 12. It says, I know what it is to be in need. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. Did you hear that? I have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, I'm content. Whether living in plenty or in want, I'm content because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Did you catch that? Did you catch that right there? Look, look at what he says. He says, he says, listen, I know what it is to live in plenty. I know what it is to have everything. I know what it is to have a million followers. I know what it is to have a million likes. I know what it is to have food on the table and have uh, an abundant life. I know what it is to live my best life. I know what it is to have the, the, the yacht. I know, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to be in the desert. I know what it is to go days without food. I know what it is that you're just, you're just put, trying to put things together to feed your kids. I know what it is to live in that space but I can do all things. I found the secret to contentment. And here's the secret. 
that I can do all things through Christ's strength. So the secret to contentment, the secret to contentment is doing things in Christ's strength, is knowing that you have the strength of God in you. And so what are we going to do? We're going to choose to be content with our portion. Write that down. We're going to choose to be content with our portion instead of coveting what someone else has. We're going to choose to be content with our portion instead of coveting what others have. And listen to me clearly. You will always, always, always battle discontent. You will always battle discontentment in comparison until Jesus becomes all you need. I promise you, let me tell you something that that every time that I struggle with discontentment, every time, and, and the people in this room know, because I've confessed to them what I've struggled with. And they know how much I've I've struggled with comparison and discontentment. And it doesn't matter how much is achieved or attained, there is a sense of dissatisfaction. But the the answer to that is to remind myself. It's come to the realization and to receive the revelation that Christ is all you need. Christ, someone shout that out right now in the comment section. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need to be content. Christ is all I need because in Christ, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And let me tell you, when you understand that Christ is all you need, when you understand that, then you understand that another person's beauty is not the absence of your own. When you understand that Christ is all you need, you don't walk into a room comparing yourself to see where you land if you're better or you are less than. You walk in a room without having to compare yourself. When you understand that Christ is all you need, what happens? You don't get distracted by comparison because you are captivated by your purpose. You you look at the moon and you look at the sun and the Bible says that God created the sun to shine during the day and God created the moon to shine during the night and what do they do they don't compare themselves they are captivated by their purpose the moon is shining at night and the sun is shining during day during the day giving us light and the moon is fulfilling its purpose the sun is fulfilling its purpose when you are captivated by your portion and your purpose guess what you are not distracted by the comparisons of others galatians chapter 6 says Everyone should look at himself and see how he does his own work. Everyone should look at himself and see how he does his own work. Then he can be happy in what he has done. He should not compare himself with his neighbor. Did you get that? Did you, did you catch that? I'm focused on my own work. I'm focused on my own assignment. I'm going to be content with my, my own portion, included in that portion. And what God has allotted me is my purpose. This is my purpose. Maybe God didn't call you to do what they did. And you're already here desiring what someone else had. But it's not for you. God is calling you to be faithful to what's for you. I'm not trying to be better than you. I'm not trying to be better than her. I'm not trying to be better than him or them. I am, I am looking at myself and I'm looking at my own work 
and I'm realizing that the secret to contentment is Christ's dependency. I'm dependent on Christ. So I'm trying to be the best me that I can be, not try to be a better you. And this leads me to intruder number four. Intruder number four, write this down, is insecurity. 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 And I think insecurity, just even identifying what insecurity is, I think sometimes there's areas in our life that we are insecure about. And so sometimes we compare. Because we're insecure, we compare. There's different things that we also become insecure about. I think insecurity is also expressed and shaped by different things. And sometimes it's shaped by our past and experiences that we've had. Uh, sometimes experience, uh, sometimes uh, insecurity expresses itself in overcompliance. And so you're, you're, you become a people pleaser. Um, sometimes insecurity expresses itself in defiance. And so you, you don't want anyone to tell you what to do. Sometimes insecurity assumes all blame. Sometimes insecurity takes no blame. Sometimes insecurity is, 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 is walking away from people and not wanting the attention. And sometimes insecurity says, I want all the attention. Sometimes you'll see insecurity in what seems like meekness and humility, but insecurity sometimes comes in pride and Everything is about you. Your whole world is about you. Uh, you, you want to know what your world is? Just look at your, your pages. Look what, what overflows out of you. When your Instagram is all about you, what you do, and your, you, you, your meanness. It, it's, it's, it's a patch up for insecurity. But for today, I want to talk about, when I say insecurity, what I want to do is I want to, I want to define it. Um, as a feeling of insignificance. Uh, when I say insecurity, what I, what I mean is it's a consistent state of inferiority. It's a perpetual feeling of inadequacy. And this is what I mean. When I say insecurity, this intrude of insecurity, it is a perpetual feeling of insig insignificance, inadequacy, an inferior intruder, an inferior spirit, if I, if I would label it that way, an inferior attitude. And so and you might be insecure about your marriage. And so there is this inadequacy you feel in your, your marriage. You might be insecure in your singleness. And so that's why you need a relationship. You go from relationship to relationship to relationship because there's a sense of inadequacy of not enoughness. There is a sense of inferiority of yourself without a relationship. And so you need that relationship to patch up the insecurity that you have. And so when I say insecurity, it's in that context of there's an inadequate attitude that overwhelms you or has tried to invade your space. And you begin to hear the voices that you're not good enough. You hear the voices of doubt that what, well, what do they think about me? And the voices that say, what if they don't like me? And what if she, what if she leaves me? And so I, I can't have her leave me. And so there's this insecurity. And so you patch it up. You patch it up with relationships. You patch it up with pride. You patch it up with arrogance. You patch it up with, with avoidance. And, 
and you're now living with this intruder. And then what happens is, is that people then begin to affirm those insecurities. You were already feeling insecure about, about your, your face or your, your body type. You were already feeling insecure about that. And now somebody comes, speaks a couple of words to you and they only affirm what you were already feeling. So now that insecurity becomes embedded in you, you were already feeling like you were not good enough and someone says something to you. It's funny when so often we, we say things to people as they, they don't know it already. When people tell me stuff about me, I'm like, okay, that makes two of us. We, I, we both know that. But I don't like your singing, Pastor Robo. That makes two of us, all right? We both don't like it. So many times we those things become even more embedded in our life. And here's why. And I want you to, I want you to put this in your notes that your, your insecurity is directly connected to your identity. You're going to find the answer to your insecurity that it's connected into your identity. And many people live insecure lives because they don't know who they are. Okay. I need you, I need you to catch this. And I want to, I want to teach a little bit here. Many people live insecure lives because they don't know who they are. And let me tell you something. When you don't know who you are, you'll find your security and you'll find your identity on all the wrong things. When you don't know, you're like Jeremiah. Jeremiah, God comes and speaks to Jeremiah and he says, I'm calling you to prophesy. Jeremiah's like, listen, man, I'm too young. I can't talk. Well, yeah, because he was looking at his insecurity, but he wasn't looking at his calling, his identity. See, you don't know who you, you don't know who you are, so you're filled with insecurity. Moses, he's like, he's like, hey, I need you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses is like, I can't even talk. You know what God tells me? He says, who made your mouth that way? In other words, I called you. Your identity's in me. Your identity's in who I called you to be. When you don't know who you are, you will base your worth and value on all the wrong things. You'll base it on what you do, on what you know, on what you own. But here's the thing. When you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the key to living a secure life that God intended you to live with no fear, with no doubt, with no second guessing. As a Christian, when you place your faith in Christ, the key to living that secure life is to know who you are in Christ. And too many of us, we, we know this, but we don't know this. You get what I mean? Like, we, we might know this, like I know who I am in Christ because I, I've, I've heard the messages and, I, and I've read the Bible, like I know this, but I don't, I don't know this. I don't function from this place. And here's what you need to do. This is what you need to know. That when it comes to our identity, this is why we, what we ground our identity on is important because we become most insecure about what threatens our identity. We meet, we become most insecure about, about what threatens our identity. And I want you to write this down. You will always find your identity in your gods. Ooh. Pastor Rowe, did you mean you always find your identity in God? No, no, no. Hear me clearly. You will always find your identity in your gods. Well, what does that mean? It's in whatever you've promoted to be God in your life. 
You find your identity in your gods. Therefore, our identity will always expose to us what we've allowed to become God. Because though it may not be the God that we worship on a Sunday, though it may not be the God that we sing songs to, it may just be the personal thing that we believe has the greatest power to determine who we are. Your identity is always found in your gods, in whatever you've allowed or you've given power to determine who you are. And so your your insecurity actually ends up becoming a God gauge because, because if Jesus is my God, oh, this is so good. If Jesus is my God, then I know who I am. And when I know who I am, I can silence the voices of insecurity. But if insecurity, if the things, if the gods that I've placed if the gods that I've placed in my life begin, that's what tells me who I am. That's what tells me what I do. That's what tells me my relationship tells me how much I'm worth and how much I'm valued and how much I'm needed. If my relationship tells me that, that becomes God in my life. And then I begin to shut the voice of Jesus in my life. But when Jesus, when Jesus is God, when Jesus is the one who tells you who you are and you know who you are in Christ, you don't let a relationship determine who you are. And so many times people have been crushed. Their identity, their whole being has fallen apart. They don't even know who they are anymore. They don't even know what to do. What is life? Because a relationship went south. Because their identity was based on that relationship. That's what they allowed their God to be. So many times you've seen people, how many times have we heard the stories, people lose their jobs and they lose their life because their identity was found in what they did for the last 15 years of their life. Their identity was found in, even we can make family our God, we can make our children our God. Let me tell you something, I wanna be very clear, I love being a father, but being a father is not the core of my identity. Can I tell you something? I love being a husband. But being a husband is not my identity. I love being a pastor. But can I tell you that being a pastor is not my identity? Those things might help explain me, but they are not what determines who I am. Who I am in Christ is who I am. And so when insecurity says, that you're a sinner and you have sinned. You know who you are in Christ. And in Christ, your identity says you are redeemed. When insecurity comes and says you are miserable, you know your identity in Christ and you know that in Christ, you are not miserable because God is working all things out for the good of those that love him. When you are in Christ, insecurity can come in, says you're weak and you're worthless, but you know who you are in Christ and you know that God takes the weakness things, the weak things of this world to confound the wise. And in my weakness, he is strong. So I'm always strong whether I'm weak or strong because I am in Christ. When insecurity comes, says that you're insignificant 
insignificant and you're unimportant. You understand who you are in Christ and who you are in Christ. Peter says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation called by God. Know who you are in Christ. It's not a relationship that defines me. It's not the job that I have that defines me. It's not the career that I have. It's not the image that I portray on social media. It's who God says that I am. Oh, I feel like preaching today. It's who God determines that I am. In Christ, we don't lose our true selves. We become our true selves. All our insecurities end in Christ Jesus. And when you make him Lord of your life, you begin to to see him different. You begin to see yourself different because now you've made him God of your life. And so he's the one that shapes and forms your identity. He's the one that shapes and forms who you are. And this is why you need to get around people that'll remind you of who you are in Christ. Let me tell you, we need to ensure that we are not around people that are going to influence us more than we influence them. There's some people that we shouldn't be around. Well, Pastor Earl, didn't you say that we have to love people? No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me clearly. We are to love people. We are to be there for people. We are there to serve people. We are supposed to be around everyone. The Bible says that Jesus was known as friend of sinners. The Bible says that Jesus went and ate at the house of tax collectors. But listen to me. He didn't allow himself to be influenced by them. He was the one influencing. He was the one speaking in. And there's people in your life that are that are that are making you more of who you don't want to be. And that's where you know what boundaries to set. I'm, what is what is the boundaries? Not to guard your heart from them. It's not to cut them off. No, it's to know that I'm going to be the one loving you. I'm the I'm going to be the one showing grace to you, and I'm not going to allow for you the level of influence to try to pull me back to who I used to be and feed more of that insecurity. I know who I am in Christ. So when you know who you are in Christ, you don't need to guard your heart from people. You guard your heart from how you respond to people and the boundaries you know to have with people. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says it this way, and we close with this. It says, for you have, watch this, for you have acquired a new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. It is continually being renewed in the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the fullness of the revelation of God in this new life. Listen to me. Your nationality makes no difference. Your ethnicity makes no difference. Your education makes no difference. Your economical status makes no difference. They matter nothing, for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in us, in every one of us. When you've placed your faith in Christ, you know who you are. And so you don't let the intruder of insecurity reside in your space. Don't make room for insecurity. Don't make room to allow these things to determine what your worth and value are. You might be a wife that feels insecure in your relationship. Don't let your relationship determine your value and your worth. 
You might be a husband and you feel like you feel like uh, you've been undermined and don't allow, don't allow that to determine your worth. I think we all deal with insecurities, but there's a difference between when we allow that to invade our space. Christ is all that matters. And so if my identity, if my insecurity is directly connected with my identity and my identity is found in who I've made God in my life, then I think that the answer to it is making the proper decision of who's God in my life. And I want to give us that opportunity today. I want to offer you some prayer. I want to pray for you. And I promise you that we have a team that's going to be praying for you today. I specifically want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you today. Number one, if if you're struggling in these areas, Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about it more in depth. We're going to be praying for people that maybe have dealt with comparison and insecurity. We're going to be praying for all this type of stuff. But we also want to pray specifically for these things. And I also want to give you the opportunity to place faith in Jesus. And so if that's you today, I just want you to acknowledge this on the outside, what God is doing in the inside of you. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, well, would you pray for me? I want you to lift up your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Right there in your living room, in your kitchen, in your dining room, at the park, at a coffee shop. It doesn't matter. Just take this moment just to lift up your hands and just begin to acknowledge what God is doing on the inside. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I don't see your hand, but God does. And I want to pray for you. So if you want to place your faith in Jesus, I want you to I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I surrender my life. I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. And for and for dying for me and, and rising again on the third day. I make you Lord of my life. And from this day forth, I am a new creation. My friend, if you said that prayer today, we want to welcome you to the family of God. And I want to pray for everyone that's battling with these two intruders. Heavenly Father, we serve notice right now in the name of Jesus. We serve notice to these foul spirits of insecurity, this foul spirit of comparison and discontentment right now in the name of Jesus, God. We find our identity in you. Lord Jesus, and Lord, we realize that in you, we are all, you are all that we need, oh God. So Father, I pray, Lord, that now in this new identity, that we become awakened to who we are in Christ, Lord Jesus, that another day doesn't have to go by with us feeling insignificant or inferior, that another day doesn't have to go by with us having to patch up those holes and trying to trying to put on, oh God, and 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 comparing ourselves and fearing and, and, and really robbing ourselves from the enjoyment of your blessings, oh God. I pray, Lord, that we serve notice to the devil and every attitude and spirit that comes from him. We serve notice. You are not welcomed here anymore. Somebody say that in there in the chat room. Say it out loud in your space. You are not welcomed here anymore in Jesus name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ and Censored House of Worship is to love God, love people and love life. 
Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.